from the head to the heart and from the heart to the whole body from the head to the heart and the heart to the whole body and see if you can drop further from the body to the space around you and literally feel the space around you Just see if you can touch a degree of inner silence, even for a few seconds, even for seven seconds. Even for one second.
just see if you can lighten the grip on the idea of being a person of being a certain personality can you just lighten the grip on that great relief to no longer have to be a person a personality even for a few seconds What is it like to have no resistance to this moment? Even if it's somewhat uncomfortable, even if something's going on that's not very pleasant, what is it like to not resist it? What is it like to have a few moments of non-resistance, non-judgment? non-evaluation
ask yourself the question, what is it like to empty myself completely? What is it like to empty myself completely? Including of myself. That familiar sense of being a self. What is it like to put down everything?
And if you want to, some of you can open your eyes. If you want to remain with eyes closed, that's fine. Beautiful, lovely. It's wonderful to see you all here in this very beautiful space. It happens to be. Yeah, you can have to put lights on, why not? This space happens to be Mala's meditation room. <laughs> and uh, they say that, uh, in the wisdom tradition, they say that the elements have got memory. So like water has got memory. So if you pray on water, I think in all traditions, we have the idea of sacred water. I think this is enough. Mala, this is enough. Too bright. So, uh, all the elements have got memory, and so for example, we use fire, you know, you, there's fire and there's a sacred fire. So if you put an intention, then the fire becomes sacred, water becomes sacred. And in the same way, space itself can become sacred. A space that's used again and again for something. So if you've been using the space again and again for healing sessions and for meditation, you have a weekly gathering here? Yeah. The weekly gathering that happens here. And I think most of us, I'm sure, could sense the purity of the space. Yes? Could you sense just coming in here? Right. So, it's beautiful to, to meet here. Thank you, Mala, for inviting us and having us here. And uh, while at one level we are meeting each other, and that's wonderful, <laughs> I see a lot of familiar faces. It's also an opportunity to meet ourselves. It's wonderful to meet each other, old friends. But the oldest friend is sitting here, waiting for you, when will you meet me? <laughs> You're running around, we've got time for everyone. And uh, just to be, it's so, it's so rare. Because the few moments we have, we have to catch up with our endless WhatsApp messages, and our endless emails, and our endless things going on. So this is very precious. It's a time to meet ourselves, time to connect with ourselves. So it, somehow this topic of limitlessness is coming up for me. I'd like to explore with all of you. Recently this meditation, very simple meditation came to me of limitlessness in all directions and in all dimensions. So I'll take you through a very simple meditation and then we'll explore beyond that as well. What does it mean to be limitless or to understand limitlessness, if, if that's possible to understand. So, let's explore time first. So, and you can do this with eyes open or closed, doesn't matter. So going backwards in time, one day, one week, one month, you just have a sense of going backwards in time. One year, 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years, a million years. 10 million years, billion, 10 billion, and already we're coming to the, what scientists tell us, the age of the universe, 13.8 billion years, keep going, 
hundreds of billions of years. Trillions of years. And whatever numbers they are beyond, trillions upon trillions upon trillions. Have a sense of the limitlessness of the past. You can't be sure when it all begins. And similarly with the future, one day ahead, one week ahead, a month, a year, 10 years, a hundred years, a thousand years, tens of thousands of years, a million years, 10 million, billion years, 10, a hundred billion years. And like that, trillions upon trillions of years, we can't really be sure when there's an ending. So have a sense of the limitlessness of time with no clear edge, no clear beginning, no clear ending. And therefore the present itself gets sort of intangible. You can't be so sure. What is the present? When the beginning and ending is so unsure, is the present sure? Is there even such a thing as the present? And similarly we'll explore the dimension of space, inner space, so inside the body, we have various parts of the body, organs in the body. Organs are made of tissues. Tissues are made of cells. Cells are made of proteins, which are made of molecules, which are made of atoms. And within atoms is a tremendous amount of space. They say most of an atom is empty space. At the heart of the empty space is a nucleus within which there are countless subatomic particles. We have so many we can't even be running out of names for them. And so there's no clean beginning, there's no floor. The deeper you look, the more you find, and the more emptiness you find as well. So no floor here keeps opening up, the more you look, the more it opens up. And similarly outside, we have this room, we have this building, this city, this country, this planet, this solar system, this galaxy, countless galaxies, Trillions upon trillions of galaxies, limitless, the whole universe. And there's no guarantee this is the only universe, so countless universes. Very soon we realize there's no roof. No floor, no roof.
and therefore the edge of the two which we sometimes think is our skin that's also a big question mark you go looking deep inside the edge is also nothing but cells and molecules and atoms and an infinity there as well no floor no roof no edge no past no future no present no floor no roof no edge and that which is conscious of this who is conscious of what's happening here i am that familiar sense of i am it's me i'm hearing this i'm saying this i'm experiencing this but go a little deeper who is aware of the i am and right away it's not sure it's a mystery you can use a word if you like but then who's aware of that word you can say soul or consciousness or god any word you like and who's aware of that who's experiencing that it's a mystery and who's perceiving me you are and what's behind that your sense of i am and what's experiencing that it's a mystery this side it's a mystery that side it's a mystery then what is being perceived what's being experienced that's also a big mystery can we agree on anything what is anything there's so many ways to look at anything can we come to any finality on anything whatsoever what is experienced is also a mixed mystery what is experiencing is a mystery what is being experienced is a mystery in all directions a big mystery and the ancient teachings tell us that one who says i know does not know and one who says i do not know has truly begun to know what is it like to be in that i don't know space i don't know anything i don't know what time is i don't know what space is i don't know what i am what you are what anything is for a moment taste the reality of that
and what else is limitless? I'm going to give a few examples. I'm going to invite you to see if you can add to that. The capacity to dream up all kinds of dreams, think up all kinds of thoughts, seems to be limitless. The thirst for more and more and more experiences No matter how many we have, we seem to want more. That thirst seems to be totally limitless. Our ability to doubt and second-guess ourselves, no matter how much evidence we get to the contrary, seems to be limitless. And also, our ability to have faith in ourselves, confidence in ourselves, against all the odds, also seems to be limitless. To rise up again seems to be limitless. And let's have a few examples from all of you. What are you sensing does not have a clear edge, a clear, clear limit, and share it loud. Breath seems to be limitless, is that what you're saying? Love. The capacity to love seems to be limitless. Can you really put a limit on it? Seeking appreciation, seeking validation, seeking encouragement, seeking support, there seems to be no end to this. It's limitless. Soul. Soul tends to be limitless, however you understand it. 
possibilities. The more we think of possibilities, the more we come up with. And the more we learn, the more we find there is to learn. So knowledge is limitless. Faith. Say it again. Faith. Faith, yes. Fun. Yes. <laughs> Gratitude. Gratitude is limitless. Fun is limitless. The grace and support we receive, there seems to be no limit to it, no edge, no end to it. Capacity to contribute. Capacity to contribute in so many ways. Through actions, through speech, through thoughts and intentions. And even that doesn't end because everything we do, like a seed, it has further repercussions. Hope is limitless. Did you say fear and guilt? Yes, fear and guilt can be limitless. No matter how much people try to convince you, this goes on and on building up. Consciousness. Consciousness. How do you even begin to define and outline consciousness? Charity. Charity is limitless. The ocean. The ocean is limitless. It's the one part of the world that we really are unsure of. We've explored such a small percentage of the ocean. Empathy. Empathy is limitless. Limitless. Forgiveness. Capacity to forgive is limitless. 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 And now be quiet for a bit and check the opposite. what is limited and then check is it really true that it is limited is it really true am i really sure about that so just check can i be absolutely sure that this is limited never goes beyond this or less than this can i be 100 percent sure Just play with the thought that there might be a hidden infinity in all directions. There might be a hidden limitlessness in all directions. And of course, even the word limitless and infinity, we don't even understand these words. 
So it is indeed limitless. It is indeed mysterious. Empty yourself again, just be quiet for a moment. Take a nice deep breath. If you want, you can open your eyes. So I was first introduced to the idea of limitlessness through something called the four Brahma Viharas. I don't know if you've heard of this. Four Brahma Viharas are the four boundless states, which are Maitri, Karuna, Mudita, Upeksha. Maitri means infinite love. Karuna means infinite compassion. Mudita means infinite appreciative joy, rejoicing in the happiness of others. And Upeksha means infinite balance of mind, unshaken by the events of our life. And as I practiced this, I was literally, literally blown away. Like I literally lost perception of my body and literally felt infinite, 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 all directions, endless, endless, endless. And I still clearly remember some of those moments when I first began practicing this and just the depths to which it, there was a cleansing that happened. And I, I don't even imagine there would be so much opening that would happen through something so simple. Because all you do is you think, you have the thought, may I be happy, may you be happy, may all be happy. May I be happy, may you be happy. And you sustain that thought again and again and again. And thoughts become feelings and feeling becomes being. You think it till you feel it and you feel it till you become it. So again and again and again. And uh, I remember when I became a monk, then my teacher said to me, you know your practice is getting somewhere when even in your dreams, you're responding in that way. So I had instances, it took a few years, <laughs> But I had instances where in the dream, there'd be some scary thing that would happen or someone coming to beat me up or whatever, something that you normally would call unpleasant. And in that moment, in the dream, there would be a sense of bhala ho, mangal ho, be happy, be well, be happy, be well. Wow, it went down to the subconscious level. So even in my dream, I was responding with that kind of an attitude. So whatever you're practicing consciously again and again and again tends to get subconscious, unconscious. And then that becomes your way of being more and more. So this infinity, this edge, tends to become your way of the sense of edgelessness, I would say. Timelessness, spacelessness, consciouslessness, all of that, it starts to become more and more real for you. In the beginning, all of these just sound like concepts, which is true. At some level, it's all a concept. But certain concepts can pull us out of other concepts <laughs> and free us. 
so some time back someone told me that uh, kind of made a prediction for me that uh, next 13 years are going to be turbulent years for you and you're going to have a lot of people opposing you you're going to have a lot of people blaming you a lot of people criticizing you then just take it just take it nicely it's all good it's a nice polishing that's happening i said yes let's bring it on i said i've had a pretty cushy life <laughs> i've had a lot of people praising me and a lot of people appreciating me so i don't mind it's all right let it come and little later in the day i was meditating and had the thought not only let it come but those who are blaming me and criticizing me forget about resisting them may it be a tremendous blessing to them that those who blame me and oppose me and criticize me and pull me down for whatever reason right may they be so blessed that may it, may it accelerate their liberation can you imagine what an energetic release i had in that moment that i'm literally blessing those who are going to be pulling me down for whatever reason forget about resisting forget about putting up walls and think oh my god it shouldn't happen bring it on right so and i mean i would not trying to make that happen it just happens spontaneously right the sense of going in the opposite direction instead of trying to defend myself it was more about blessings even in that situation blessings so then there's nothing to defend actually there's nothing to protect and what is there to protect now so when someone even comes to oppose you you welcome that as well if they come to praise you you welcome that if they come to oppose you you welcome that so throw flowers into the sky what happens you get a flower of shower of flowers on your head <laughs> if you throw knives into the air what happens <laughs> actually doing it to yourself everything we're doing we're doing to ourselves actually we're not doing it to anybody else so have i in my life sometimes criticized others you bet i have have i blamed others you bet i have have i pulled other people down you bet i have have i sometimes with limited information painted them a certain way you bet i have so why would others not be able to give have the right to do that they also have the right to do that if i've done it they also have the right to do that and i felt very correct in doing it they can also be correct in doing it right so there's a lovely zen zen story of this um, this uh, zen retreat that's happening seven day session it's called and seven day zen retreat and on the second day a student comes to the master and says master some of my belongings have been stolen and i'm pretty sure that person took it please take action master so master smiles and go back keep practicing <laughs> go back and keep practicing so third day another student comes master my things have also been stolen we both sure that person has taken it master please take action master go back keep practicing Not all the students are getting agitated that things are getting stolen how can we how can we close our eyes and meditate when we are afraid someone's taking someone's taking our things away from us the master is too kind he's not going to take action we better make a petition all the students write a petition master remove the student he's stealing things we can't practice like this so master given a long list of names signs saying remove this person so master calls an evening meeting looks around the room looks at the sheet of paper and says okay all of you who signed this piece of paper please pack your bags and go home huh why should we pack our bags and go home what have we done wrong he's the one who's been stealing he's the one who's been taking our things what have we done wrong why are you punishing us and says because i don't expect you're going to steal <laughs> i don't mind sending you home <laughs> but this son of mine hasn't learned this lesson yet you see so i'd rather he stay here <laughs> society society is no danger with all of you going back <laughs> you go back let him stay and this person who was fully expecting to be thrown out and to being you know what do you say 
humiliated in front of everybody he's shocked he'd come with all his defenses ready all his you know you know alibis ready he's shocked the master defending him breaks down and starts crying you can imagine his pain he's saying i'm so sorry i don't know i don't know what to say because from childhood if i like something i just take it i can't think i don't think twice it's a bad habit i'm so 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 sorry and in that moment he just goes runs back to his room and returns all the things he stole and what all those angry words and angry actions could not change that one act of love it changed right all those angry looks and angry words and angry glances and angry threats all of that didn't change the one thing changed so the lovely lesson here is let's say this together love me most when i deserve it the least because that is when i need it the most could it be that that stealing and that hurting is the last cry for love we don't know any other way to get love that's our last cry for love right. do you know those of you who have children you know this that children of course they want your positive attention which means they want you to play with them and be with them but if they don't get your positive attention they want your negative attention <laughs> they'll purposely do they what they know they don't want you to do but then you'll definitely leave your laptop and come and shout at them <laughs> at least give me negative attention if not positive attention give me negative attention give me some kind of attention because attention is another word for love you see when a child is you know messy or dirty or whatever then the parents will come and scold come on don't be so messy clean it up do it properly or eat your food whatever it is a street kid is messy no one's shouting at that street kid you notice it you just walk by your own kid was like that you'd scream at them what's wrong with you you know wear your clothes properly eat your food properly wipe your face is dirty you don't tell the street kid so there's obviously even the negative attention is a kind of love you know i like to say anger is fermented love <laughs> you only get angry with the people you really love <laughs> otherwise you don't even care what difference does it make and the anger is coming from expectation you should be a certain you should be a certain way you have to behave a certain way then i'll love you we're just putting that extra thing that kind of what do you say distorts it so love me most when i deserve it the least but forget about others can you do it to yourself forget about others is all the phd level thing do it with yourself can you love yourself the most when you think you deserve it the least and love i love the definition of love which is from the greek tradition the word is agape let's say it together agape it's a greek word the g is more like in the throat agape right and the meaning of the word is to let be i love that when you love someone you let them be when you judge someone you always want to manipulate them change them distort them something do something you know change <laughs> clean your room <laughs> do something behave a certain way then i love you but if you really love you let them be in love you give them space love is actually freedom not bondage if it's bondage how can it be love love is that infinity you know i let you be you, who you are exactly the way you are there's this uh, story of this guy is getting married to a girl and uh, the father in law takes him to a site just before the marriage and says hey do you really love her <laughs> you know you're going to get married to her do you really love her what are you saying i love her so much i love her completely i never met anyone like her she's the most amazing person i've ever met So the father's father-in-law smiles and says, "Yes, it's always like this, <laughs> but it may happen that a few years from now there are things in her you'll not like. It may happen. There are things you start judging in her. So in that moment, you should remember: if it wasn't for those things, 
she would never have married someone like you <laughs> right so there's a time when every quality good and bad we find very cute and lovable there's a time when the smallest thing bugs us no end right it's all your perception it's not who the person is what you're seeing so we don't see people the way they are we see the people the way we are actually we're not actually seeing other people at all we've actually never experienced the outer world we've only experienced our thoughts about the outer world this practice yeah it's not I like this idea that we are only meeting ourselves. We are only meeting ourselves. It appears we are meeting others. We are not really meeting others. We are meeting ourselves. And the things we don't like in others are just those things we have not accepted in ourselves yet. It's as simple as that. We haven't acknowledged them first of all. We say, that's not me. I'm not like that. I learned the simple thing some years back. When I would judge someone, I added to it, just like me. <laughs> that person is so, you know, disorganized, just like me. And is it true? Yeah, there are parts of my life I'm disorganized. Are we, are we organized in every single aspect of our life? There are certainly pockets of our life that we're disorganized, right? Maybe your home is very clean, but your emotions are disorganized. <laughs> right? Because someone's, you know, they say, are you living in a home or in a hotel? Because in some places, you put one thing in the wrong place, there's a big screaming match that goes on. <laughs> because, I mean, what is it? Is it, a, is it a home or is it a hotel? I mean, you can't relax in this house. Everything's got to be kept perfectly. Right? So outwardly, it's very organized, but inwardly, everyone's so tense all the time. They're not comfortable at all. So anything you say about somebody else, add to it just like me. Because first of all, you saw it, you noticed it. How could you notice it if it wasn't in you? We only notice things that are in us. The good qualities you notice in others, it's because you have them in some form, which is why you even recognize them. You would be incapable of recognizing them in somebody else if you didn't have it in yourself. And the so-called bad qualities, it's because you haven't accepted, acknowledged, embraced, and just given yourself space in those, and you project it outwards. So we're only meeting ourselves. So then everything then is an opportunity for us to reflect. And love is to let be. Just give it some space. Give it a little bit of space. One of my friends says, he says, can you let the questions breathe? Even our questions, we want instant answers. Instantly go to Google, instantly get someone to tell us. Let the questions breathe. There was a time, if you had, if you want looking for an answer, you'd have to go to an old library and spend hours going through books. <laughs> going through catalogs. I mean, any answer would take forever to get. Now you just type something, you get the answer. But there was something beautiful about taking a long time, because when you'd get the answer, it would mean something. <laughs> Nowadays, we are so information overloaded. Do we even remember half the things we read? Such a lot of information is flowing. We read books after books. Do you remember? What do you remember from the book? What have you practiced from that book? So, to slow down, and to get in touch with the, the real mystery of it all. One practice I've been doing a lot these days, which I find very powerful, is the moment I wake up in the morning, uh, you'll find when you wake up in the morning, it's, it's a kind of a subtle thing, the energy rushes to the head. The thoughts get activated, right? Oh, Monday, or, you know, I'm in this place, or this has to happen. So my teacher taught me, get the, th get the energy from the head back to the heart. It rushes out to the head, and suddenly there's the universe in front of you. So just, just, the universe has just been born right now. So take it back to inception. Bring it back to the heart. In the heart, there's a kind of silence. Bring it back. And just keep it there. 
When you slept at night, the universe disappeared. Of course, you may have had a few dreams, but for all practical purposes, the universe disappeared. Everything you normally know just disappeared. Gain the skill of not only waiting for sleep, you should at any moment be able to dissolve the universe. At any moment, shift from the head to the heart, dissolve it. Head to the heart, heart to the body, heart, body to space, and space into limitlessness, infinity, in all directions. And in the beginning, you're doing it slowly, but you should be able to do it any moment. Instantly dissolve everything. Instantly dissolve everything. You're dissolving the illusion, actually. Because all of this is just thought. Without thought, is there me, is there you, is there I agree, I disagree, is there any of that, actually? Without some kind of a background, what I believe, what I don't believe. It's actually thoroughly mysterious. So the practice is you shift from the head back to the heart and then you ask the, the question, who is experiencing this? And the simple answer is, I am. I'm experiencing it. And who is experiencing the I am? The sense of being, the sense of I am. Who is experiencing that? It's a mystery. I don't know. So come back to the mystery. And when you do this, when you wake up in the morning, you'll find it has a lingering effect. Throughout the day, you'll have glimpses of who is experiencing this? I am. And who is experiencing the I am? It's a mystery. It's actually quite a beautiful mystery. <laughs> this is also called from Bhokta Bhav to Drashta Bhav and Drashta Bhav to Keval Darshan. Bhokta Bhav is I am experiencing. It's happening to me. I am doing, I am experiencing. This is Bhokta Bhav. Drashta Bhav is I'm witnessing. Things are happening. Words are coming. People are here. Whatever. I'm just witnessing. Something's going on. <laughs> Not really controlling this. And then Keval Darshan, things just... Life is experiencing. You can't even say, I'm, ex I'm witnessing anymore. Life is witnessing. Life is doing something to itself. It's thoroughly not my problem. It's entirely not my problem. Whatever has to happen, has to happen. So you go from multiplicity. Experiences are multiple. Like you wake up in the morning, so many things to do. Everybody's got so many things to do. Multiplicity. You come from multiplicity to unity. This, now, here. And from the unity to a zero, or if you want to, in another, another different infinity. Right. And you do this again and again and again. Anything you do again and again and again, it's like you're lubricating that neural network. It becomes more and more available to you. And you'll find your life will still have all this drama. Right? Relationships will have their drama. Work will have their drama. Life is full of drama. Life actually is one big drama. So the drama will go on, but you will, in the middle of it, realize it's all a drama. <laughs> It's all, a big it's all a big movie show that's going on. <laughs> and I seem to be one of the big actors over here in this movie show. I'm my favorite actor in this movie show. Right? You're not as attached to it anymore. You can let the movie show go on. Let the movie go on. This lovely picture I saw on Facebook, somebody put it up. This little chair on the, on the, on the beach. And you know on the beach the waves keep coming, one after the other. And the caption said, let's say this together. Relax. Relax. Nothing is under control. <laughs> That's actually the way it is. Relax, nothing is under control. You have no idea. You have no idea what the next thought is going to be, what the next feeling is going to be, what the next event is going to be. Do we know anything at all? We're planning all of this stuff. Do we know anything? Nothing is under control. It's only a problem if you resist that idea. If you resist that idea, it's the most scary idea in the world. It can give you a panic attack. If you resist the idea, nothing is under control. If you're a control freak, 
then you'll really become a freak because this reality is nothing is really under control. I had a morning session in Pune once and this lady came and said, Nitya, I have to share something. I'm very afraid. I said, well, what are you afraid about? She said, a few years, you know, so, so she said, my whole life, it's been a very tumultuous life. There have been so many ups and downs, so many difficulties, family, there's been a lot of drama. Every place has been huge ups and downs, downs most of the time. But the last three years, things have been going very well. So I said, okay, so what are you afraid about? She said, but I don't know when it's going to change. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to end. <laughs> you see, even she cannot even enjoy the so-called good times because she's had so much drama in her life. She says, well, this can't last. It has to again get bad, right? This good job can't last. This good experience can't last. This good relationship can't last. She's superimposing on a perfectly good experience. Her fears. So this is called paranoia. Paranoia is the unreasonable fear something bad is going to happen. Unreasonable. Undefinable. Non-negotiable. Something bad is going to happen. This is paranoia. Always afraid. But as you practice some of the things you're talking about, there's an interesting shift that happens. It's called inverse paranoia. <laughs> what is inverse paranoia? <laughs> the unreasonable, non-negotiable belief something good is going to happen. <laughs> something beautiful is going to happen. <laughs> something amazing is going to happen. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not... There's another word for it. Pronoia. Pronoia, exactly. Pronoia, that's right. The, the, one of the teachers invented this word. Uh, pronoia which is the inverse paranoia, which is something amazing is going to happen. No matter what happens, you cannot convince this person something bad is going to happen. Every situation, something good is going to happen. Something amazing is going to happen. This uh, plane was going with, uh, the pilot comes back and says, there are only uh, three passengers. There's a politician, there's a doctor, and there's a kid. So the pilot says, bad news. One of the, you know, our engines have failed. We're going to be have, having a crash landing. And, uh, more bad news, there are four of us, but there are only three, three parachutes. So we have to discuss who's going to take the parachutes. Before you can say another word, the politician says, wait, wait a minute, the whole country depends on me, I'm jumping. So he takes one of the parachutes and he jumps up. And then the doctor says, hey, you know, we can't discuss this. A lot of patients, their lives depend on me. I'm an important doctor, I'm jumping out. He takes a parachute, jumps up. And now the pilot is like, only you, me and the kid is left. And there's only one parachute, he's saying, you know, you're the kid, you, you have your whole life in front of you. I'm the pilot, I should take responsibility. I think you should take the parachute and jump. And the kid says, no, no, we'll both take the parachute and jump. How can we both take the only one parachute left? He said, politician uncle took my school bag and jumped. <laughs> right, pronoia, in every situation, pronoia. <laughs> So life is actually not scary. It's our thoughts that make it scary. I love your story on the four rooms of the house. Which of the four rooms of the house? The one with states of consciousness. You can decide where you want to spend exactly, how much exactly. time you want to spend. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So how much, where do you want to spend time, right? What universe are you inhabiting? Are you inhabiting the universe of problems? Are you inhabiting the universe of possibilities? Are you inhabiting the universe of joy? Are you inhabiting the universe of being? And from each of those universes, that's how, you know, how clean is your window? The world appears like that. Clean up your window. Open up your window. Somebody wrote something very poetic. They said, what if, what if falling is flying without the tyranny of coordinates? <laughs> falling is flying without the tyranny of coordinates. It's true, for those moments you're flying. <laughs> 
<laughs> and my teacher said it very beautifully. He said, uh, let's say this is very fun. Let's say this. the bad news, the bad news. is that we're all, we all falling with nothing to hold on to. <laughs> the good news <laughs> is that there's no ground. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you think is the ground. You see, you didn't do your homework in school. You came to class and your heart is pounding. Because you know this is the end. <laughs> you know, this is the end. The teacher is going to ask for it. And this is the end. Life has come to an end. <laughs> but the teacher notices and screams at you. But it's not the end. You, find you live to live for another day. <laughs> right? Or the principal catches you doing something really bad. And this is the end. The principal has called me and now it's finished. But it's not the end. Life goes on. Or your beloved dog, who you loved so much, dies. And this is the end. My beloved dog has died. But it's not the end. You'll live for another day. You, so many times in life you thought that was the end. But it's not the end. Even people who get diagnosed with cancer. And people who lose their legs and get paraplegic or quadriplegic. It's not actually the end. It opens up new dimensions they never even expected would exist. People who have near-death experiences. Sometimes go and Google NDE. Near-death experience. You'll be amazed. What you think is the end, is not the end. So many people from different religions, different ages, different backgrounds come and tell us, my goodness, it's a whole other world out there. <laughs> and I didn't want to come back, by the way. They dragged me back. <laughs> I had no, I was enjoying myself. I was blissing out on the other side. <laughs> right? We think it's like bad news when someone dies. They're blissing out on the other side. They don't want to come back. So what you think is the end, what if it's not the end? So again, limitlessness in every direction, every dimension, limitlessness. And all your notions about what life is, what death is, what enlightenment is, they're just notions actually. One of my teachers surprised me when he said that uh, enlightenment is not permanent. I said, what? I always believed enlightenment was permanent. At least that is permanent, everything else is impermanent. He says, nope, that's not permanent. I said, what do you mean? He said, permanent is another kind of prison. <laughs> impermanent is one kind of prison, everything is changing over here. But then you get into the permanent world, that's also another prison. He says, no, it's freedom. So you can weave. So you can choose to be forever, or you can choose to experience again limitless. Lim it is so limitless, limitless that even limitation is allowed, you see? That's how limitless it is. You are that limitless that you can choose limitation. And to the degree that you want, you're allowed to choose limitation as well. <coughs> it's like we say, you say this, say this with me. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. Including my desire. Including my desire. To improve it. <laughs> so it's all perfect. And even your desire to change and improve it is also perfect. So perfection does not mean I just leave it alone. Perfection also means get involved, get get your hands dirty. Mess with it. It's alright. That's how perfect it is. Take a moment of silence. <coughs> Drop from the head to the heart. And the heart to the body. And from the body to the space in this room.
to infinite space. loving challenge for you is can you be inwardly silent for at least seven seconds And silence does not necessarily mean no thoughts. It means not being fooled by thoughts. The background of silence. <clears throat>
can all take a nice deep breath. And please say with me, I am everybody. I am nobody. I am somebody. I am everything. I am nothing. I am something. I am. I am as I am. Wonderful. You can open your eyes if you like. Beautiful. So just keep taking seven seconds whenever you can throughout the day. This is urban meditation. This is Bombay meditation. <laughs> seven seconds. Just to pause. Right? To the best of your ability. It's never about perfection. It's always about connection. I think they're already perfect, by the way. Your idea of perfection is what, you know, you keep on superimposing ideas to the way things are. And that's also perfect, of course. It's all perfect, right? So it's all about connection. It's about just connect with yourself. We're connecting with other people. We're hyper-connected these days with phones and everything. But are we really connected? <coughs> on most, in most restaurants you go, people are sitting together on their phones. They're not talking to each other. <laughs> they're on their phones. They're not, you look at it, isn't it true? They're like, wow, this whole family's got together and they're not even talking to each other. They're on their phones. A friend of mine made a, a cartoon and the whole family is crowded together on a little table and on their devices. So his friend is saying, what's going on here? He said, I purposely installed a low frequency Wi-Fi. Everybody's forced to be together. <laughs> so they're all together on their phone. That's the only place they get Wi-Fi in the house. <laughs> so uh, to take seven seconds to just pause and reconnect with ourselves. And how do you reconnect with yourselves? A few simple ones. Uh, one of them is sensory experience. So just like, for example, right now, just be aware of seeing. We normally say, I'm seeing, but all I said is seeing, which means seeing is happening. Don't add to it, I'm seeing, just seeing, there is seeing. This biochemical organism is seeing. Hearing. Any kind of touch. Any kind of smell. Any kind of taste. You cannot be aware of a sensory experience and be thinking at the same time. It doesn't work. You can't do it. If you're seeing me, if you're really seeing me, in that moment you're seeing me. Seeing is happening. In that moment you're not thinking about me, you're just seeing, seeing me. In the moment you're thinking about me, in that moment seeing is not happening. In that moment some kind of a thought is getting pasted on. I agree, I disagree, I like, I dislike. That's your thought that you're getting pasted on. But by itself, you cannot have a sensory experience and add to it a thought at the same time. It'll be very quick, chop, chopped up, but it's never consistent. So one gate, one of the ways to access this Seven seconds, just come to sensory experience. What, what is seeing happen? What, what's being seen right now? Heard, smell, taste, touch. Second one is inner experience. Feelings. Again, just do this, eyes open, see if you can. Eyes are open. What are you feeling? Any, any inner sensation or emotion? 
You can access it even with eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes. You can tune in with eyes open. This is very helpful because this is always guiding you, actually. This inner feeling, the person you meet, the place you go, the food you want to order, if you really tune in, you're getting constant, precise guidance. We often, don't, we often neglect this. We override it with our thinking. Put the thinking aside, this is guiding you perfectly. We, are to, we, we get an inner nudge, enough eating now, far before we stop, we keep going. Yeah, enough, but a little bit more, a dessert is also there, and, <laughs> and then we override. One of the teachers told me, um, the way you sat down to eat, how light you felt when you sat down. When you get up, you should feel as light. That's the right amount of food. If you're feeling heavy, you've overeaten. Oh, that, that takes a certain amount of sensitivity, right? So break up the stomach into four parts, he said. Half of it is food, solid food. One-fourth is liquid food, and the last is empty. So then you will find you're really healthy. But if you sit down feeling light and you get up feeling all heavy, in fact, you sometimes you need help to help, help me get up, <laughs> then I'm sorry, you've vastly overeaten. So again, feelings, right? So second, second gear is inner feeling. And again, just seven seconds, just for a short while. This will really guide you. I like to say seven seconds every hour. So you have an assignment at least 12 times in a day. Minimum 12 times, you can do more, but just. This will really start rewiring your system if you do this. Sensory experience, inner experience. Inner experience includes thoughts and feelings. So even to become aware of your thoughts, this, by the way, is education. It's called metacognition, the ability to be aware of your thoughts. If you're just, like I was coming from Bombay University, I was giving a talk there, and they're studying philosophy, and what is this philosophy? It is basically what other philosophers have said. <laughs> and what is your, I mean, what other people have said, is that your philosophy? This person said this, that person said that. You're not allowed to write a single word that you have come up with. It's all about they said, they said, they said. Ah, it's exactly like that. And then you're trying to draw out some new conclusion based on what all these people have said. <laughs> Marshalling all of these people to come up with some new conclusion based on the authority of these people. And where did they get those ideas from? <laughs> I mean, what is it? You know? So we're so hung up. So just to come back, you know, thoughts are there, but to be attentive to thinking process. A really wonderful discovery you'll make is that they're not my thoughts, they're just thoughts. Oh, what a huge relief that is, a sweet relief. <laughs> In India, this idea is somewhat familiar. When I went to the West, this guy, the mouth was hanging when he heard this idea. Really? They're not my thoughts? <laughs> he came back to me the next time. He, he came for one of my talks. He said, this whole week, I've been in bliss land. I said, why is that? He said, you told me they're not my thoughts. They're just thoughts. It's such a huge relief. I was smiling all the way home. They're not my thoughts. They're just thoughts. When your stomach digests, you know, you know, it secretes all kinds of acids and all kinds of things. You don't say they're my acid. It's acid. <laughs> You ate something, obviously there'll be digestion. You don't say it's my acid. It's just acid, obviously. Stomach put in food, it starts digesting. That's normal for the stomach. The brain, give it sensory input, it starts processing the sensory input. It starts arranging them this way, that way, and all the other ways. That's thought. It's not your thought, it's just thought. You were born in a certain place where people have, been, have a habit of speaking a certain way, thinking a certain way. Well, you also took also for this thought. You read certain books, it rearranged a little bit, right? It's ultimately just rearrangement of the, like a kaleidoscope, you know kaleidoscope? Those three mirrors. And then you put any small little pieces inside and those trinkets creates infinity. Those little trinkets, infinity of patterns, infinity of patterns. Right there you have infinity. In the little device you have infinity. So a few little life experiences and now you can mishmash them together in a countless different ways and that's your infinity. That's your little universe. That's your local universe actually. 
So you step back and this is just thought. This is not the whole world, I don't know everything. This is just a rearrangement of my pattern, this way and that way, this way and that way. Actually, most of our days are the same, if you think about it. Scientists say we think 60,000 thoughts a day, of which 90% are the same as yesterday. <laughs> and no wonder life is so stale. It's same old people, same old. It's not same old, every moment is fresh, which is superimposing, same old, same old, same old, it's not same old. So second gear, first gear is sensory experience, second gear is inner experience, but again it's an impersonal process. So for at least seven seconds, pause, let feelings be feeling, the thought be thoughts. Third gear is everything. Everything means now don't narrow down. Like for example right now, just keep your eyes open. Normally we look straight ahead, but now I want you to become aware of peripheral vision. Which means you're looking straight, but actually you're attentive to what's happening on the edge of my visual field. So without moving your eyes, be aware of the absolute edge that you can manage. You're accessing a different part of your nervous system when you do that. We have sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And I'm forgetting which one gets activated. <laughs> but one of the two gets activated. <laughs> She'll tell us, Michelle, which one gets activated? You don't know, how wonderful. <laughs> so the peripheral, so when you're focused in the front, like notice when you get angry and upset, you get really fixated. Your eyes get like jammed, right? So you get really, really zoomed in. But when you relax, you're opening up more and more peripheral vision. The more relaxed you are, the more you're opening up peripheral vision. So, in the same way, to be aware of everything. Now, not only sensory field, the hearing field, you're opening up your hearing, not just to what's happening around you, but all in great distances. And same with smell, and same with taste, and same with touch. You're becoming more sensitive. And what does it mean? You're experiencing life more fully, that's all it means. You're having a richer experience of life. That same TV show watched in an old, you know, 30-year-old television set. And on today's high definition, I don't know what the latest is, OLED or whatever it is. That highest super definition 3D, de it's, a, it's the same television channel. It's a whole different experience, isn't it? So you and I in the same room. But how HD is our experience? So aware of everything. I met a person in Bodh Gaya. I was visiting Bodh Gaya. And I met this yogi. He was an American man. He had this long beard. He told me a story. He said he'd been a hippie back in the day, whatever, 60s or 70s. And he came to India. And uh, somebody invited him to meet this yogi. He had no idea where he's going, but they took him to the small room. And when he entered this room, he noticed something very special about this room. Sitting in this room was a very thin, frail man. He's known as Kalu Rinpoche. When you go home, just Google Kalu Rinpoche. His face itself, he doesn't look like a human being. He looks like a, to me, he looks like something like an extraterrestrial. He's a thin man, and he looks so, he, for me, he looks like a definition of a saint. You know, he's just amazing, this picture of this man. So he sits in this room with Kalu Rinpoche, and he's, he's never had this experience before. He has a feeling that this man knows everything about me. I can't hide anything from this person. He knows me inside out. I've not entered the room. I've entered his mind, and I'm sitting inside his mind, he knows everything about me inside out. He had that sense. So that one meeting transformed his life. He got interested in meditation, and since then he's been practicing Tibetan Buddhism. He keeps going back to Bodh Gaya again and again. So to be aware of everything. In the beginning, it's sensory experience, but little by little you get all kinds of... Everything is giving information. And the less you try to get the information, the right information presents itself to you. Even scientists tell us, each moment, there are billions of bits of information coming in through our sensor doors. But our conscious mind is aware of a tiny little thin slice of them. And that thin slice is based on our beliefs, is based on our expectations, anticipations, wanting. 
husband and wife walking to the same mall, husband notices a totally different thing from the wife. He's looking at the laptops and the business suits and you know those things. And the wife is looking for toys for the kids and things for the house and they're both getting, let's go to this store, no, let's go to that store. They're getting pulled in different directions. The same mall, they have a different experience. So to be aware of everything. To be aware of everything means to drop your preferences for a moment. You're no longer preferring hearing to seeing to smelling to tasting to inside to outside. Everything. This is called, just, just say with me, being, being. an agenda-less presence. You have no agenda in that moment. Uh, when I was a monk, uh, we would assist our teacher. So he'd be meeting after the meal. He would sit with people. They would come to ask questions. And you always had one monk just to be an assistant if you need something. So we'd sit with the teacher. And I remember one time I was his assistant. assistant and this group of ladies came. And after they finished their discussion, as they were leaving, one of them said, Ajahn, Ajahn is the word you use for these Thai monks, uh, these teachers. Ajahn means Acharya in Thai language. They said, Ajahn, what I really like about talking to monks, yeah, this is the one place in my life where a man does not look at me as a woman. This is the one part of my life where a man does not look at me as a woman. Just being. That's a gift of monks. And nuns. The gift you give is, you don't look at gender for a while. You just meet. Like you're meeting soul to soul. It's a certain relief to not be looked at as a woman or as an old or as a young person or as a poor person or a rich person or what can you give me? Agenda-less presence. The teacher has no agenda. Has nothing that, you know, you give me some donation, nothing, just being. One of my friends, Smitha in Ahmedabad, told me, she's been a very successful businesswoman, set up multi very, very expensive, very big, uh, you know, businesses. And she told me she recently retired, voluntarily left her job, left her, sold her business, gave it to her partner. And she said to me, a big change has come in me. Because earlier, as a successful businesswoman, every interaction had an agenda. Every interaction had a, I wanted something or they wanted something, always. And they were calculating and I was calculating. Constantly. And the beautiful shift I'm seeing now is that when I meet people, I have no agenda. And it's so beautiful. She was just literally, she was smiling, saying, it's so beautiful. I talk to everybody with an open heart. I talk to my maids, and lately her maids are just, you know, they're, such, they're like part of the family now. And the people she meets, she says, there's just no agenda. There's nothing, what can you give me, what can I give you? It's just, we're just connecting. It's so beautiful. So taste that, at least for a little while. Taste an agenda-less presence at least for seven seconds. So outside sensory experience, inside inner experience, everything. The fourth one's very interesting, nothing. What is it like to be nothing? And we talked about this a little while back. Reverse engineer the universe. It began when you woke up, the whole universe appeared. How did it disappear out of nothing? Bring it back to that nothing. In the beginning, this doesn't make sense, but just try, right? Actually, nothing really makes sense. This is actually senseless, but a part of you knows exactly how this works. So just bring it back, pull it back to the heart, and pull it back to that nothingness. And again, it'll go out, and again, pull it back. And who's having this experience? I am. And who's the I am? I don't know. Nothing. Uh, Nisargadat Maharaj, wonderful teacher from Bombay, he used to say, what was your face like before you were born? This is one of those impossible questions. What was your face like before you were born? What's your true face? Show me your true face. I don't want this face. What's your true face? Because this face is going to change. Hasn't it already changed from birth till now? It's changed so much. It's going to keep changing. No matter how many creams you apply, it's going to keep changing. <laughs> right? 
So what's your true face? What's your face before you were born? Unmask yourself. Who are you before this universe was created? So what is it like to be aware of nothing? This is another kind of limitlessness. Limitlessness of sensory perception, limitlessness of inner experiences. You see infinity of feelings. You never feel the same, by the way. Even that depression is never the same. It's a different depression. Every day it's a different depression. It's a different sadness. It's a different delight. It's always different. It's, always, it's never the same. Only the thought says it's the same. It's never the same. It's always new. If you meet it with that kind of freshness, it's just going to immediately give its message and move on. No thought. Actually, you don't believe a thought, you don't have a feeling. Emotion. Emotion only comes when you believe thoughts. When you see a thought as a thought, there is actually no emotion connected to it. It just is. It's only when you believe the movie. Popcorn seller in the movie theater is having no emotion around that movie. You and I are. Why? Because you and I are identified with that movie. We believe it to be true. We've forgotten it's a movie. So we're having those thrills and those lows. But the popcorn seller walking around, he knows, he knows this movie by heart now. He's seen it 20 times. He knows exactly what's gonna, what the actor is going to say next. No emotion. So when you don't believe a thought, you have no emotion. When you're, you're, what are your emotions telling you? You're believing a certain thought. The contracted emotion they're telling you, don't believe that thought is terrible for you. The expanded emotion they're telling you, that's all right, that's fine. That thought is fine, it can exist if you like. Everyone's against me, no one loves me. Try thinking that for a while, see what happens. Right. May all beings be happy, may all beings be well. Byron Katie says it beautifully. She said, when I enter a room, I know that everyone loves me. When I enter a room, what a beautiful thought. When I enter a room, I know that everyone loves me, I just don't expect them to know it yet. <laughs> what a cool thought. <laughs> right? Like I have this inverse paranoia, this pronoia, that wherever I go in the world, people love what I have to say. This is just my, I just have this strong belief. It doesn't matter. Where you, wherever you put me in the world, people are going to love what I have to say. I just have it. You can't convince me otherwise. And I went to uh, Utah, where Esther used to stay, Esther still stays. And uh, Utah is a Mormon, Mormon state, right? And Mormonism is a very unique kind of Buddhism, oh, sorry, Christianity. It's a very unique kind of Christianity. It's got a different book of its own called the Book of Mormon. And they have, it's a very interesting, it's, it's Christian, but it's not Christian. They believe that each one of us are potential gods. They've got some really cool, interesting beliefs. Each one of us are potential gods, and we are here to create universes as we go ahead. So we, they, they almost say like we are like gods in training. That's the idea of Mormonism. But Mormonism is in some sense also very closed because they believe they're the supreme, like this happens to almost every religion. We are the, we are the best, we are the supreme. Right. And I go there and I'm talking to those Mormons and they're so receptive to what I'm saying. And they're lapping it up and they say, give me more, give me more. They want to hear. The first day I give a talk, half the hall is full. Second day the hall is completely full. Third time I give a talk, there's no place in the hall anymore. We're sitting outside on the lawns, right? It's like amazing, they're thirsting for this. <coughs> And after a while, I'm walking around, uh, you know, this town, Logan, and Esther's lived there her whole life. And people are all saying hi to me, they're not recognizing her, they're saying hi to me. She's like, wow, I've lived here my whole life, they're saying hi to you, you just come a few weeks back. <laughs> how, is this? how are they all saying hi to you, you see? So it's an unreasonable belief. It does not require reason. But if you think it, it's true for you. You're doing that all the time anyway. So why not, if you have to think a thought, why not think the most expansive thought, the most liberating thought possible? Right, this is like the Brahma Viharas. So 
access in any given moment what is the most limitless thought I can access. If you have to think a thought, go with the most limitless expansive thought. Here's another thought that I have, is that wherever I go, whatever I share, I'm planting an indestructible seed of liberation in everybody. Whether they like what I say or not, they agree with what I say or not, an indestructible seed of liberation has been planted. And at the right time, it's going to flower. That's a pretty cool thought. So wherever I go, whatever I do, no matter if I'm in the flow of teaching or not, an indestructible seed has been planted with, to everyone I meet. Because everyone is another me. You see what I'm doing? In this moment, when I'm planting indestructible seeds of liberation in every person I meet, I'm watering my own seeds of indestructible liberation. You see that? Because we are creating new universes every moment with the way we treat others. Because we're not treating others, we're treating ourselves that way. Someone needs help, and I know I can help them, but I don't. You know what I've just done? I've entered a universe where people can help each other, but they don't. I've entered that universe. I'm going in a bus, and someone's shivering with cold. I notice I've got an extra jacket. Without anybody noticing, I pass on my jacket to this person. And I get off the bus. Nobody knows except I what I did. That person doesn't know me. That person never had a chance to say thank you. I entered a different universe. I entered a universe where when people feel cold or helpless, out of nowhere an angel comes and helps them. I'm enhancing the quality of my own universe. This is actually true. This is how it works. One of the monks in Thailand, he built a large monastery. A lot of people would come. And you see, when you have a large monastery, you also need a large toilet block. <laughs> because of all these people come. In fact, he once said that, uh, in my life, the best thing I've done is make toilets. They were like, why? What do you mean? What, what, what does that mean? He said, people come to listen to my talks. Some of them like them, some of them don't like my talks. But the toilet gives guaranteed relief. <laughs> he says, my talks don't give guaranteed relief. <laughs> but that toilet gives guaranteed relief to every single person. The best thing I've done is build toilets. <laughs> people get guaranteed relief in a toilet. <laughs> I once asked a playful question to people. Would you, would you have a world full of temples and churches? We have an option, a world full of temples and churches or a world with toilets. Which world would you take? <laughs> and people realize, wow, I think we want to have a world with toilets. You know? Of course, toilets give guaranteed relief. There's God in everything. Right? So uh, the idea that you're planting that indestructible seed of liberation in everybody, you're only doing it to yourself. Everything you're doing, you're only doing to yourself, not to anybody else. Liberation from? Liberation from? Liberation from your own sense of I'm not good enough, I can't do it, whatever's holding you back, from identifying with the dream, right? From being hemmed in in any, any possible way. Liberation from our own sense of bondage, our own sense of whatever idea of bondage we have, liberation from that. And uh, this lady, Jasmine Hain, I met her some years back, she's a teacher from, what's cool about her is she doesn't eat food, <coughs> right? So she just lives on light. And some people are always skeptical of this. But I, I would rather live in a universe that's more magical than, you know. So if I have a choice of believing and disbelieving, I'll, I'll say I want, I want to believe it. Why not? Let's have a more magical universe. Let's have a universe where some people can live on light. Why not? So she said to me, I met her some years back, she said that this ability began triggering in her of getting energy from everything. She was living in a small town in Australia. And this, energy, this, this ability got triggered in her. She could get energy from everything. And she had no intention of sharing with everybody, anybody else. This was her private process. But then the messages began coming, you're meant to share this. 
but she had no she was quite happy in that little town in australia she had no intention of going out and teaching anybody and she began getting sick and she's like why am i getting sick and the inner voice said cause you're meant to share this you're not meant to just keep it to yourself so then she said all right i don't really want to teach but if i'm meant to teach she made a powerful precondition the precondition is any time i begin speaking i should have complete flawless access to all the knowledge i have gained in this lifetime or any lifetime and any wisdom any knowledge i will gain in this lifetime or any lifetime what an amazing precondition to put that i will teach on the condition that i have flawless access basically to universal wisdom right not just the internet but the internet she has flawless access to the internet and whatever is needed at that time is spontaneously available to her so it's really amazing we can put up these kind of preconditions and we can make our life really amazing really amazing <clears throat> that whatever like for example wherever i go people just love what i have to share and even if they don't love it that's also an indestructible state of liberation for them anyone who criticizes me blames me is on the fast track to enlightenment i'm not doing it to them i'm doing it to myself you see we're only doing things to ourselves what kind of universe are we creating moment by moment we are creating we are weaving like like a spider weaves a web we are weaving our own web and we don't have to get stuck to it so the five gears again mm-hmm. sensory experience inner experience everything nothing and the last one is infinite blessings infinite blessings means that from this portal of nothing comes everything <coughs> When you become nothing then truly you have no agenda then any remaining residue of this life is only a blessing and any remaining thought is only a blessing there's nothing now i need anymore whatever has to come through will come through so the more empty you get the more blessings radiate in all directions everything you say is a blessing everything you do is a blessing everything you don't say don't do is a blessing so infinite blessings so let's play the game of infinite blessings just close your eyes for a moment and i'll start with a few then i'll invite you <clears throat> so shift from thinking of yourself as a person and i want you to see yourself as a portal a space a hole through which infinite blessings pour out without your needing to make an intention for it it's happening anyway infinite blessings to all the birds in the world <coughs> infinite blessings to anyone feeling oppressed or bullied by anybody else infinite blessings to every younger version of myself who feels conflicted who feels oppressed who feels that they are suffering 
every younger version of myself. Bless you. And also every future version of myself, infinite blessings to every future version of myself. And those were three examples. Anybody else? Say the whole sentence. Say infinite blessings too and then fill in the blanks. And we'll pause, we'll pause for 10 seconds. Infinite blessings to all the parts of ourselves that we refuse to love, we refuse to accept. speak loudly and clearly so we can all hear. <coughs> Infinite blessings to the children of drivers and maids, security guards who don't get to see their parents very much. Infinite blessings to all of those children who don't get to see their parents much. Infinite 
long for their companion. <coughs> Infinite blessings to all those who have convinced themselves that they are sinners, that they are not good enough, that they are going to be judged and punished. Deep, powerful blessings to all of them. infinite blessings to each one of us in a special way that wherever we go in this world we constantly radiate infinite blessings whether we know it or not realize it or not believe it or not special infinite blessings that each one of us becomes a channel a transmitter a radiator of infinite blessings always have one more blessings to our journey and the recognition that these infinite blessings are just coming from the part of us that is already home that has already arrived in fact that never left
and have seven seconds of gratitude. I'll take a nice deep breath. And let's say together, how wonderful. Oh. Slowly open your eyes. So the five gears, out, in, everything, nothing, blessings. Out is sensory experience, in is inner experiences, feelings and thoughts. Feelings are basically pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Thoughts are basically visual, auditory. Whatever it is, aware inside. Aware of everything, agenda less. Aware of nothing, zero. And blessings. And uh, five gears, five gears also have five accelerations. What are the five accelerations to say with me? Recognize, Recognize. Revisit, revisit, refine, refine rest, rest, and realize. realize. So recognize, as I explain them to you, you recognize them? It's quite straightforward. They're not that complicated. Recognize them. At least you had a glimpse of them. Revisit. Your homework is seven seconds every hour. <laughs> you can always do more. You can do extra credit if you like. <laughs> but do at least seven, seven seconds. <laughs> right? Just, just try. It's, it's not impossible. We, we all, it's all within our capacity. We spend so much time thinking about everything in the world. Just come to what's in front of you. Just come to what's inside of you. Just come to what's here and what's behind this. And we all have this capacity. Right? It's not about perfection. It's about connection. You return to it again and again and again. The more enthusiastic you are, the more earnest you are, the more sincere you are, your own life improves. We're looking for all kinds of ways to enhance our life quality. But let me tell you, this is a guaranteed way to enhance the quality of your life. Everything else is not so sure. This one is guaranteed. You have a HD definition of life, F HD high definition experience of life, right? And no longer I am experiencing life. There's like a spanner in the machine. This I is a spanner in the machine. What is this I? We have no clue what it is. And yet this I is the biggest thing, always I, I, I. <coughs> All the conflict come from this I. I am right. <laughs> you don't know anything. My teacher said, the wiser you get, the more uncertain things get. <laughs> There's a word in Thai language called maine. Maine means not sure. So he once said something very powerful. He said that any statement that does not have within it uncertainty is not the statement of the wise. The wiser you get, the more uncertain things get. Relax, nothing is under control. <laughs> right? And the more foolish you are, the more certain you are. This is the way it is. This is the way you are. I am. The world is. The more deadly certain you are, welcome to the world of the ego. And we keep knocking each other against each other. Because you're certain, I'm certain, now we keep banging. It takes two solid things to, to bang, right? When I'm lucid and you're lucid, there's nothing there. We, inter we interpenetrate. There's nothing there. I can see your point of view. You can see my point of view. In the Tibetan tradition, they say, when two yogis meet and they disagree, one of them is not a yogi. And when two scholars meet and they agree, one of them is not a scholar. <laughs> Can't be. Right? So recognize, revisit, is that throughout the day, keep revisiting, seven seconds. 
it's easy enough and also tough enough. Even seven seconds is a bit of a challenge. To be really present for seven seconds. That's a bit of a stretch you. But do it again and again and again. Refine. Refine is, can you take out a little bit longer? And I would recommend for total newbies, 15 to 20 minutes, refine it. Which means just sit there. The amazing challenge of sitting there without your phone. Just sitting there. Just being there. It's okay. Just be. You're called a human being. Just be. Sit there. Get bored if you have to get bored. Get restless if you've got to get restless, but just sit there. <laughs> One of the Burmese teachers, when people would come to her to learn meditation, say, yeah, I'll teach you meditation. Sit here, sit here. Uh, and just don't move. Huh? I'll be right back. Just don't move. <laughs> Make them sit over there. And don't move. Okay. And she's gone. When is she coming back? <laughs> Five minutes have gone. Ten minutes have gone. Twenty minutes. And by this time, agitation is like, okay, now come on. When is she going to teach me meditation? Don't move. <laughs> She'd come back an hour or two later. And these people would be like, what did you do? I mean, you made me just sit here. He said, you saw how much suffering there is? <laughs> you saw? Did we just say, I did nothing to sit there. How much suffering there is? This is how she teaches meditation. Look at how much turmoil is going on. You can't even sit for one hour, two hours without having a huge storm inside yourself. What you're looking around outside for happiness, inside you there's a big storm. So learn to witness it. Instead of getting involved in it, witness it. Teachers will sometimes purposely create such storms. My teacher Ajahn Chah, you know, monks have, we have a lower robe, something like a skirt. And then we have an upper robe, which is a single layer. And then we have an outer robe, which is two layers. And that's the entire kit of a monk. Lower robe, upper robe, and outer robe. Uh, typically, you don't wear, in the monastery, you have something called an angsa. It's like a, something like a vest, like a half vest. And so you wear your lower robe and the half vest. And on a formal occasion, you'll also put on your upper robe. Or if you're going outside the monastery, you put on your upper robe. And in certain occasions, with the weather and all of that, you'll also put on your outer robe. Upper robe, outer robe. So it's in a country, hot country like Thailand, you don't always put on your outer robe, you'll usually fold it, keep it on your shoulder. You'll see photographs of monks, their outer robe is folded on their shoulder. So Ajahn Chah said, after the meal, we will all assemble in that particular sala. Sala means like a meditation hall. This particular sala is out in a clearing in the forest, it's got a tin roof. So you can imagine, it's like a big microwave oven. <laughs> so he said, we'll meet over there. I want everyone to wear all their robes and come. <coughs> They've just eaten their food. They come there, waiting, wearing their upper robe and their outer robe. And he's also there wearing all of that. And they sit in this tin roof sala. And as the sun rises, the heat gathers. It's like a radiant, it's like an oven, basically. And within minutes, everyone is soaking. They say, okay, whatever he's trying to do, it'll finish soon enough. So 15 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by, half an hour. And by now, even the agitated winners are going to finish, you know. One hour. And in one hour, every single one is in torture chamber over there. And in one and a half hours, and by this time, people are doubting this teacher. Is he a real teacher? <laughs> because this is, Buddha never said sit under a hot roof and sweat. <laughs> you know, this is not the Buddha's teaching. This is not the middle path. You know? <laughs> but he's sitting over there, you know, two hours. He made them sit for three hours like this. And the monks who sat there for those three hours, they said a point came. They, they were angry, they were upset, they were cursing him. And a point came where everything just dropped. <laughs> you see, sooner or later, how much are you going to curse? How much are you going to get upset? At some point, everything will just drop. And your body is sweating, and your robes are soaked, and your mind is a mess, and it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Within three hours, he gave people a taste of never mind. Never mind what happened. Let the body do its body thing, let the mind do its mind thing. But you see, it takes a certain amount of faith. If I make you sit like that, I bet within 15 minutes all of half of you, they say there's an important meeting I have to go, you know, there's a, <laughs> a call that came up, my daughter's not well. <laughs> Who is going to sit over there? You see, they had to build that faith to be able to sit there in that hot sun and go through it. And they went through it and they came on the other side. When you go through an experience, even once like this in your lifetime, you go through even once, 
to that extent you have lost your fear of death you have lost your fear of terminal illness you've lost it because you know like i said the bad news is that we are falling good news is that there's no ground you've seen what's on the other side you see so it's a kind of inner freedom you have freed yourself you've liberated yourself from yourself you've liberated yourself from your own hang up you've liberated yourself it's a kind of beautiful freedom so recognize revisit <coughs> refine at least 15 20 minutes sit there no matter how uncomfortable it is just sit there this is good medicine for you this will give you a richer experience of life the body gets stronger by movement the mind gets stronger you can say the heart gets stronger through stillness it's not by thinking more and more it's by getting quiet more and more that's how your mind gets really strong and then rest a time will come where you lose track of you don't know how long you sat whether 15 minutes i sat half an hour i sat one hour i sat you lost track of time poof you don't even feel like getting up rest and you when you get up literally you feel thoroughly inwardly cleansed i remember when i was doing my mba i'd meditate for a morning about an hour in the morning an hour in the evening and people would sometimes tell me why are you looking so sad you know what had happened i got so rested i didn't care what my facial expression was like anymore for an other person it may look like i'm even sad i'm not smiling but i'm inwardly so quenched i don't even care how i look anymore it's fine i don't have to put on social face all the time right but be surprised i'm feeling so peaceful this thinking i'm sad <laughs> well i'm not sad i'm fine i just don't care how i look anymore and then realize and realize now this is yours this is your home earlier this body and mind was our home and we were in the world but now it's a figure ground reversal like for example earlier you thought you were traveling in the world but now you realize no you're not traveling the world is traveling <laughs> you're fine <laughs> right this you're not in the universe the universe is in you this is figure ground reversal it's a beautiful shift that happens something just turns when that turning happens it's like now you know whatever arises has to pass away doesn't matter this is the way this movie works things arise and they pass away you're not the movie or the screen this entire universe imagine the, how big a movie theater how big a screen it would take to project the entire universe onto it that screen is so big the universe is constantly changing including galaxies are getting eaten up by other galaxies but the screen is not changing you see the screen has got no place to move as long as you identify with yourself with anything that is moving you will always feel incomplete there will always be more to do and less to do and more to become because you identified with the moving character but if you just and by the way the moving character and the screen is there even a distance what's the distance between the movie and the screen that you know distance so the path is not linear it's right here it's about drilling down it's not about it's not it's not about further progress forward than backwards it's about drilling down this way which is why in christianity the cross for me the cross the vertical dimension the vertical angle it's longer than the horizontal and for me the mystical teaching is drill downwards don't look forward and backward here and they that's why you cut the cross also means you cut you cut the ego you cut the sense of separation between me and god so that vertical all these five gears we're talking about they're cutting they're they're about drilling down drilling where you are in the zen tradition it says right here just say with say with me right here right is holy ground is holy ground right here right i will build my sanctuary wherever you go you're on a busy bus 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 station right here is holy ground right here i build my sanctuary 
in the middle there's a family drama going on right here is holy ground right here I'll build my sanctuary you're creating a portal and in that portal all healing happens all bliss all everything gets resolved by itself without you doing anything what created the mess will also resolve the mess it's not your business anymore so let's keep these five beautiful gears in mind what are the five gears again out no that's that's the five accelerations five gears are out in everything nothing and blessings and the five accelerations are recognize just become aware of them revisit them and your homework is 7 seconds every hour <laughs> right you can take out 7 seconds every hour and then revisit and revisit and refine refine and spend a little longer 15 20 minutes or as long as you like and automatically you come to rest in rest you you lose track of space and time so you don't you don't care how much time it gone this is also like a samadhi state you will in the beginning rest is far to be found is only restlessness but little by little that rest will make itself available to you <laughs> and then realize and each of these gears and each of these accelerations your confidence will only grow yes it's not just a theoretical thing it's not just a fanciful thing this is real and this is my inheritance ekat tori says it very nicely he says death is what separates us from everything that we are not death is what separates me from everything i am not and we're not just talking about physical death spirituality is about dying before you die so why do you meditate you meditate to die actually die to what die to all the false ideas you have about yourself one of my favorite mantras these days i say it all the time is to say with me the mind, the mind is lying to me <laughs> i say it all the time the mind is lying to me the mind is lying to me it is lying to me it's constantly coming up with stories they're just a story it's not true it says this is that that is that no it's lying to me the mind is lying to me say it again and again and again you you'll not you'll not fall for the illusion the mind is lying to me right now the mind is lying to me right now the mind is lying to me right m i n d you know the full form m i n d let's say it together mostly mostly inaccurate inaccurate neurodrama neurodrama <laughs> <Isn't> that good <laughs> mostly inaccurate neurodrama all right take a minute of silence <coughs> Again, empty yourself. And from the silence, I'm going to invite any of you, briefly, share what's alive in you. Could be one or two sentences. something you're grateful for something that got clarified for you something that's settled in you something that's alive in you just share very briefly you can start with what's alive in me is or what's settling in me is or what's getting clear for me is or what i'm grateful for is and fill in the blanks
Mala, go first. I'm thankful for this opportunity to serve. What clears for me is that this is my joy. Anyone else? You can say any one of those statements. You don't have to say all of them. I'm grateful for this opportunity uh, of being here. And what's happened for me is this whole act of emptying myself and feeling much lighter. <laughs> they came to bury us, but they didn't realize we are seeds. <clears throat> I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for the little light that has been turned on, showing me the way back to myself.
They say ego grows through controlling, wisdom grows through observing. Anyone else? So we'll end with a beautiful prayer. It's called Samastha Loka Sukhino Bhavantu. And we'll say this nine times. And uh, this means, Samastha means all, all the worlds. Samastha Loka, in all the worlds, in all the universes. Samastha Loka Sukhino Bhavantu. May all the beings be truly happy, truly well. All beings in all worlds. Samastha Loka Sukhino Bhavantu. So take a deep breath. The first one, you just hear me the first time, and then you join in after that. You do it together with me, but the first time just hear me say it, and then we'll do it together. When you start from that point, we'll do it nine times. So just listen to me the first time. Samastha loka sukhino bhavantu. And now together. Samastha loka sukhino bhavantu. Samastha Loka Sukhino Bhavantu 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 Samastha Loka Shanti Shanti